looking for Santa Claus. 1. On Christmas Eve, towards nightfall, Johnny Graham and his sister Minnie were curled upon the floor near the kitchen stove, looking over the pictures in an old magazine. Little Minnie was explaining the pictures to her brother. The Kansas wind was howling about the house and driving the snow high against the window panes. Without, all was darkness, save for the few lights to the west where lay the village of St. Mars. At a table beside the children, Mrs. Graham was washing the dishes. Hello, cried Johnny, jumping to his feet. I hear someone a-coming. And he rushed eagerly to the door. The sound of feet shuffling through the snow was followed by an impatient knock. Johnny threw open the door and found himself facing a man with a telegram in his hand. It's for your father, and immediate. And with these words, the messenger disappeared into the darkness. I hope it is not bad news, said Mrs. Graham. May I run to the stable and bring it to Papa? cries Johnny. Yes, dear. And may I go too, Mama? asked Minnie. Forthwith, at the mother's nod, the two go tripping through the snow, and soon reach the stable, a stout structure distant a stone throws from the house. There are four horses in it. One of them, which Winnie, is the finest horse in the West. Mr. Graham is a lover of horses. Papa, here's a telegram, cries Johnny. And it's marked immediate, adds Minnie. Mr. Graham, who had been fondly stroking his favorite racer, hurried from the stall and tore open the enclosure. His face changed as he read these words. Topeka, Kansas. Your sister is dying and calls for you. Not an hour to spare. John Talbot. Is it something bad, Papa? asked Minnie, catching her father's right hand, while Johnny, saying nothing, but looking no less sympathetic, takes the other. Yes, your auntie is very sick, and I have just about three-quarters of an hour to get ready and take the train. Come, little ones, we must tell mother at once. Surely it never rains, but it pours, exclaimed Mrs. Graham on hearing the news. Yesterday, poor John was called away to the side of his dying mother in Kansas City. John was their man of all work, a steady, faithful young fellow, who, after his love for each and every one of the Grahams, was devoted heart and soul to the horses. I don't like to leave you alone on any night, my dear, said Mr. Graham, but especially on Christmas night. But you must go to Annie's side, and besides, I'm not afraid. Everything is secure. We've lived here now for over two years, and nothing has gone wrong. And, Papa, if you go, do you think Santa Claus will come? asked Johnny anxiously. Why, of course. I sent him word that I've put the Christmas tree in the hayloft, so that he won't make the mistake of coming to our house. Tomorrow, when you and Minnie wake up, you may run over to the stable, and you'll find out that Santa Claus can get through the stoutest door in Kansas, even though it has the strongest kind of a lock. And Papa, said Minnie, what time does Santa Claus come? Oh, about twelve o'clock. Half an hour later, Mr. Graham was kissing them all farewell. Papa, may I keep the key of the stable? asked Johnny. Here it is. Don't lose it, my little man. And may we go over and see which Winnie? Just one more time tonight, Papa, chimed in Minnie. Of course. Well, good-bye, dear, and God bless you. 2. Johnny had been sleeping for some hours in his little cot when Minnie tiptoed into the room. Johnny, she whispered at his ear. The child turned uneasily. Johnny, she whispered again. What's the matter? Is it Christmas? Oh, Johnny, she continued as the boy sat up in bed, it's just eleven o'clock. 
I want to go to sleep. Go away, said the brother, lying down again. But wouldn't you like to see Santa Claus? What? cried the lad, leaping out of his bed. You know Papa said he would come about midnight. I haven't been able to sleep for thinking of it. Let us go over to the stable and keep perfectly quiet, and maybe we shall see him. We doesn't go, said Johnny. Yes, we may go, answered Minnie. Don't you remember that I asked Papa to go over and see which Winnie tonight? That's so. A few minutes later, two little forms glided over the snow, unlocked the door, and slipped into the stable. Shall we leave the door open for Santa Claus? asked Johnny. I think not, Minnie answered. It might hurt his feelings. Johnny locked the door. Ooh, it's dark in here. I'm afraid. Shh, cried Minnie. I have matches, dear, and we can light the candles if we wish. But then Santa Claus might see that you and I were watching for him, and then maybe he would be displeased. Come, let us get in which Winnie's stall and climb into the manger. She'll be company for us. Which Winnie gave a little neigh of joy when she felt the hands of her two dearest little friends caressing her. Then there was an unbroken silence. One minute passed, though Johnny thought it an hour, when a stealthy step was heard without. He's coming, cried Minnie, breathing quickly. The steps ceased at the door, then there came a low whistle. At the sound, which Winnie gave another neigh of joy. Why, even our horse is glad that Santa Claus is coming, whispered Johnny. Shh, hissed Missy. For a minute or two there was a fumbling at the lock. I think I'll go and help Sanny, whispered Johnny. Maybe he's not used to that kind of a lock. He was about to leap from the manger to carry out his purpose, when the lock turned. The door opened, and in the light afforded by a lantern in his hand, they saw a man standing in the doorway. He was wrapped in a heavy coat, encrusted by snow, and so far resembled the pictures of Santa Claus. He wore a beard, too, but it was black. There was no pack upon his shoulders, no smile on his face. In one hand was a lantern, in the other a pistol. He was frowning, too, and did not look at all jolly. Johnny's heart sank. In fact, he began to doubt whether it was Santa Claus. The man stood still for one moment, and then whistled as before. Which Winnie answered by a low, joyful neigh. Ah, there she is, muttered the man under his breath. Johnny could stand it no longer. Hello, ah, Sandy Claus, he cried in nervous tones. The man gave a start, and then raising his pistol at full cock, threw the glare of the lantern full upon which Winnie and the two little ones. It was a pretty picture. The mayor standing with her superb head turned eagerly toward the newcomer, Minnie clasping her on one side and Johnny on the other. Both of them looked fearlessly at the man with the cock pistol. Aren't you Santa Claus? cried Minnie. The stranger lowered his pistol in advance. Yes, my little ones, he said. I am Santa Claus. I knew it, cried Johnny. Even which Winnie knows it. See how glad she is to see you? Why, she looks at you just the same as she looks at Papa. Oh, I'm awful glad to see you, Santy. But where is your pack? It's outside. Do you little ones expect any presents? Of course we do, answered Minnie. This little boy is Johnny, and I am Minnie. Papa told us you were coming tonight, so we stole over to see you come in. Well, little ones, said Santa Claus in a rather stern voice, it's against my rules to allow anyone to see me at work. Now, if you want to get a lot of the very nicest presents, you must make me a promise. 
All right, Santa Claus, cried Johnny. You must go right back to the house and go to sleep, and not say another word till sunrise tomorrow. Now do you promise? Cross my heart, cried the boy. And so shall I promise, added Minnie. But first, dear Santa Claus, I want you to do me a favor. Papa told us that you came in place of the infant Jesus. Is that so? Y yes said Santa Claus, coughing uneasily, and putting away his pistol as though he were ashamed of it. Well, we know how much you must love the little infant, and I thought that you would like to take a look at the crib which Papa fixed up for us. There are twenty candles, and the little infant is just lovely. Come on, Santa Claus, here's my hand. Santa Claus shivered as the child put her confiding hand in his. He was in a great hurry, but a little child led him, led him to the other side of the stable into a vacant stall. Striking a match, Minnie lighted a number of colored candles, revealing a beautiful wax figure of the child Jesus, lying with folded arms upon a small square platform, hardly more than an inch in thickness. Auntie Jane was over in Paris, explained Minnie, and she brought this for us. Isn't it sweet? It is, said the man, upon whose brow a faint moisture had broken out. Now, Santa Claus, I know you want to kneel down and pray. Johnny and I always do. Santa Claus knelt. He bowed his head, and did not see what Minnie was doing. Suddenly he gave a start, and looking up, saw Minnie sinking to her knees, while from the little platform which supported the figure came a sweet, tinkling Christmas melody. It was the Adam's Noel, and he shivered again, and the moisture upon his forehead gathered into beads as he listened to the sweetly sad strains. Look, whispered Minnie. Suddenly the waxen infant opened its sweet blue eyes, while the tiny, sweet, waxen arms uncrossed themselves, and were extended as though they would enfold the whole world in their warm, loving embrace. Isn't it beautiful? whispered Johnny, in a tone that was a prayer. Then the arms slowly folded again, and the sweet blue eyes were again curtained by the lovely lids. Jesus was asleep. After a moment's pause, the tinkle of the Odesti Fidelis made the silence lovely. Let us sing for Santa Claus, whispered Johnny. At the word, both broke into the glad notes of the Christmas hymn, and sang with the sweetness of fresh and touching voices, with the grand manner of a living faith. Before they had ended, Santa Claus threw his pistol before the shrine as an offering. He was done with it. Would you like to kiss the infant? asked Minnie. I dare not, he answered hoarsely. There was a faint sound in the distance, as of a horse galloping at full speed. God bless you, you, you darlings, God bless you, and forgive me. With the last words he was rushing for the door, where he disappeared as though he had not been, while nearer, louder, clearer came the tramping of the horse. The children hurried to the door and looked in vain for a sight of Santa Claus. Even as they were straining their eyes into the darkness, there dashed up a horseman upon a foaming charger. Why, it's Papa, cried Minnie. Merry Christmas, Papa, and we've seen Santa Claus, and he ran away when he heard you coming. Is which Winnie all right? cried Mr. Graham, jumping from his horse. Sure, answered Johnny, and supplemented by Minnie, he proceeded to tell of their night's adventures. Mr. Graham listened with his features under a forced restraint. It's too bad, Papa, that you frightened Santy away. He didn't bring our Christmas presents yet said Minnie, when Johnny had concluded his account. 
Yes, he did. Come up, my little ones, and see. And they went up and saw. It was the finest Christmas tree in Kansas, and every gift that Minnie and Johnny could desire was there. Now, my little darlings, let us go down to the crib and thank the little infant. And they went down, and kneeling, thanked the little infant, Minnie and Johnny for their beautiful Christmas gifts, and their father for the safety of which Winnie, from the clutches of her former groom, who had forged two telegrams, who had entered the stable as a horse thief, had remained in his Santa Claus, and left it touched and softened and repented through the sweet visions of innocence and love which the infant Jesus had there vouchsafed him. End of Looking for Santa Claus by Francis J. Finn, S.J.